Welcome to the Game Flayers Podcast, episode 55. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and today we give thanks for the Inflation Deflation Challenge. Uh, we did battle on, what was it, the Glory Field? Is that what it was? The Field of Glory. Field of Glory. So... This week's Inflation Deflation Challenge, we spoiled it last week. I'll spoil it right now. We are talking about Saturn Bomberman. As many of you know, it's ridiculously priced. It's an expensive game. John got a good deal on it. And you know, we hope everybody out there gets a good deal this week on Black Friday. So uh, good luck out there. Don't get trampled. Dude, I never get trampled at Black Friday. I wait till all the smoke is clear and I just go pick out all the good games. Because everybody's going for Madden's and Assassin's Creed's. I'm looking for those little diamond in the rough games that nobody's talking about. That's usually what I go for. Hey, if and if you're out there listening to this, standing in line right now, see if you can't get a really good deal on a Bluetooth speaker and then just blast it on your way through the parking lot. What song would play on that, though? No, the podcast. Oh, oh, the podcast. Yeah, yeah if you're waiting in line for Black Friday, get a, get a good deal on a Bluetooth speaker, and then you can just blast our podcast. That's a good for idea. For all your friends and family. And the intro music. I forget where we get it from. The, the intro music's pretty cool. So, all right, dude. Uh, we'll start with our recent pickups and playing. Uh, I didn't pick up anything, as you know and as I know, but our listeners don't know. We have switched our recordings to Sundays. So, Ryan and I recently recorded on Wednesday. And since then, I've been painting in my house the whole time and have not picked up a damn thing. So, that's my pickups. You? I have nothing this week. I picked up a paintbrush, so that worked. There you go. I picked up my Switch and continued playing Final Fantasy XII. As far as picking things up, or playing things is concerned, picking things up, I did pick up an Atari 2600 controller Mm -hmm. uh, this weekend. So we went out to one of the the bars locally, and it just wasn't very good. So we were like, screw it. We're going to come home and play the same games they have on the arcades that are broken or with controllers not working. And we're going to play it on the 2600. So that's what we did. And, dude, I hadn't tested all my games in the past. I'd say we went through probably 20 or 30 games just kind of picking it up and playing and such. Mm -hmm. Everything booted up, no problem. It was awesome. I did learn, though, that my Atari 7800 was not powering on, uh, which kind of sucks because I tested it years ago and it worked. So I'm thinking at some point, because that was in Florida, there might have been a storm while it was hooked up and maybe blew out uh, one of the power regulators. So I just picked up, it's uh, Console 5 is a website I use, and anybody out there that wants to do like some minor repairs on capacitors and stuff, this guy has like everything, like dirt cheap. He gets high-quality products of capacitors and regulators and wires and everything you can think of to repair old vintage consoles. This guy has it, and so... Well, and just, if you're going to be a collector, you know, that's that comes with the territory. Sometimes it's better to get a good deal on something and then just throw a little elbow grease and some little bit of money at it than to actually pay the full price for the fully working one. Yeah, like I said, I got a Super Nintendo not too long ago. It was broken, and I've already got one, obviously, but I knew I mean, knew somebody what... else is getting a great deal on that Vectrix you sold. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Like... Whoever puts the money into that, it's going to be great for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I'm not going to touch. Uh, but, you know, something super like a power regulator or a small capacitor on a console, super easy to What's just What's that website again? Console 5. Console 5. Shout out to Console 5. Yeah, he's pretty sweet. So uh, I'll, I'll probably at him in the uh, episode. Uh, so I did that. And I also, as far as playing is concerned, 
started, well, not started, but continued playing Concrete Genie last night, cleared out another zone in the, um, I think it was a power plant area within the game. What kind of progress are you making? Like, how far in are you? Uh, I have probably cleared out, there's six levels in the game, and each of them has a zone. I've cleared out two of the levels, I think. Does that include the tutorial place that we did? Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I think that's separate. So okay. I think there's six levels outside of the tutorial section that we played. But I'm, I'm liking it still. I, I mean, I, I really do like it. It's, um, you know, it's the same stuff. I mean, you're doing your paintings and everything and you're collecting pages and you're being chased. But there is like this nice story underneath, like this feel good story, which is, I think, why it, it got nominated for Impact Game of the Year. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just like a, a really good story to it. And you have these bullies chasing you around in this city that's been or this town has been run down uh, for whatever reason. And the purple goo. Yeah. The the black vines that are going all over and so you're trying to clear all that up and clean up the city and as you like connect with some of these bullies you see the reason that they've become bullies and so like one of them uh their parents like were always arguing or something and uh, i think another one the parent hit them something along those lines and it kind of shows like these kids are bullies but there's kind of a reason why they've kind of gone down that road and here's why and it, it goes into like this whole animated experience where you see like what happened it's like it's interesting how it works out so i think my prediction on this game having not looked at what the ending might be is you're probably going to have obviously the whole town flourish and it'll be back to normal with all this beautiful artwork but all those bullies that are chasing you i can see them kind of turning back to being good and really becoming a community again in the game. So yeah. I'm really excited to see how it plays out. So you end the game with friends. Yeah, I, I think that's how it'll turn out. Like you're just cast out who's painting artwork all over the town, which is interesting. The town is all screwed up. So it's like, well, the town's all screwed up. So let's just graffiti regular art everywhere. There you go. And, and clean it up with paint, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I'm liking it so far, man. It's pretty good. So I'm hoping maybe I can beat it by next week, depending how much time I put into it. Mm -hmm. Disney Plus has consumed my life the last two weeks. I know how weeks. that goes. So it's been like, you know, See, I could I, game or Disney Plus. That's why I've been playing Final Fantasy XII on the Switch, because I could do both at the same time. Yeah, that's a good point. I can't do that with Concrete Genie. Yeah. XII's going pretty good for me. I've put like 15, 16 hours into it now, and I... I'm digging the combat, especially with like the fast forward double speed. Like it makes just grinding through stuff take hardly any time. And I've really tried to go in and explore a little bit more of the gambit system, but I feel like I'm still missing some things. I feel like uh, later on in the game, I'll probably get some better gambit options that kind of open it up or allow me to be a little more specific because there's just, it's like stealing, trying to steal the best way that I've come up is to have the steel set to trigger on enemies that are 100% HP and then have the rest of the party set to attack party leader's target so that once I go in and go into a battle, I'm automatically going to steal, but then they should hit him and then I should steal from somebody else and then they should hit them and then we should basically start cleaning them up from there because otherwise if they just focus in on the one target i'll just keep repeatedly stealing from the one that has 100 percent health unless he gets hit and the way you have to prioritize everything it takes it takes a little thinking through to try to be like okay i 
this character has silence on them, but it's because of an item, so I can't have the gambit set for my white mage to automatically try to cure silence because she'll sit there forever and try to cure the silence that he has because he has an item inducing the silence. So there's some things I'm trying to think around, uh, but I feel like I feel like I'm a little overpowered. I feel like maybe the grinding's a little too easy because I've been kind of just going in and shrekking any of the boss fights like super quick, no hassle whatsoever. I mean, I've gotten a couple game overs, but just for like kind of stupid mistakes. And I still feel like I'm a little lost on a couple mechanics, but I'm starting to feel my way through some of them. Like on the license boards, it's almost kind of like the sphere grid sort of from 10, except you got to unlock Instead of unlocking just stats, it's like, okay, you have to unlock uh, light armor 4, light armor 5, heavy armor 3, shields 2, swords 4, spears 9. Like, you got to unlock so that you can be able to equip those things. So, before, I was just kind of seeking out, like, oh, what's going to make me stronger? What's going to give me more HP? You know, doing stuff like that and not really following, like, the items because... The shops are kind of few and far between, and I don't really feel like I'm like I'll go through and I'll upgrade everybody, and then it'll be a while before I really have to do that again. So now I'm kind of trying to keep up with okay, all the stuff in the store is like level six. So maybe before I go back to the store again, I should get level seven on everything so I can just do everybody at once and not have to go back out. That's where I think I'm over grinding. Gotcha. That makes sense, man. I've always wanted to play 12, just it's the in the backlog. The story's more interesting than I remember it being. It's in it's set in Ivalice, which is the same place as Final Fantasy Tactics is set, and Tactics Advance, and at least I think so. It might be like a different country, but it might be the same world. And uh, I'm liking the story. It's very easy to get into with the way I'm playing it because I could really kind of run around and explore and the battles all take place automatically with the gambit system. So there's a lot less like, dun, 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 you know, going into the swirl, into the battle, selecting all your stuff. Like once you cut all that crap out, it, it's much more. It kind of smooths and quickens up the pace. Yeah. A bit. It's much more like final fantasy 15 than it is like 10 and you know, 15 was great, even though I never finished it. I know you did, but I feel like even less so than 15 because you're not manually doing the attacks. It's still all automatic. I feel like I can kind of autopilot through the adventure part and the adventure and the combat mixed together. And then the story, instead of having like a three structure, like adventure, combat and story, it's kind of more like a two. Yeah, which is nice. And that's what I really liked about 15 as well, uh, was that component of it. So I'll probably like 12. I just, like I said, it's on the backlog. Haven't played it. Yeah, you've got enough stuff you haven't played to worry about calling everything out. Dude, I've got stuff here that I'll probably never play in my lifetime. Sad as one, it is. One you can definitely skip is uh, Coded Arms for the PSP. I see that over there all the time. That was not a very good game. I've probably tested it out in the past, but that's about it. So uh let's see what was the other part i was gonna tell you oh yeah so uh you have 37 days to beat zone of the enders 2 yes i do i'm very aware are you gonna beat it yeah definitely 
Okay. And I'm on the Ice Palace in uh, Link to the Past. Dude, so. you were playing three games simultaneously. It's nuts. Well, uh, two games. I I haven't played Zone of the Enders in like at least a month. Yeah, it's, so. that's, that's bad on you. Uh, well, speaking of uh, New Games Resolutions, I'm not going to reveal it because we have future not episodes. Yet, not yet, yeah. But you already know what I've decided on, and I am setting myself up for failure. So we will see if I can actually accomplish my feat. Oh, man. You're going to make me have to do something. I think you could play an RPG. Well, I'm already playing one right now. I don't know if I want to go from Final Fantasy twelve to another RPG. Well, just think of it as a game that you've always wanted to play and well, just never did play. See, that's what it's supposed to be. So there's lots of stuff like that. Well, have a whole wall here for you to look at. Yep. All right, let's get into our news this week, unless you got anything else gaming-wise to talk about. No, I think that's, uh, that's mostly it. Zelda and... Uh... You know, Zelda's going good. I'm actually really having a lot of fun when I sit down and play Link to the Past now. Like, the these later dungeons are a little trickier. Like, the ice, I'm trying not to slide, and then I've got all these penguins coming from me, and then it's like, I know that if I switch to my hookshot, I could just like, bam, 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 and just like nail them all in one shot instead of trying to swing at the sword to take damage. I'm running into rooms, throwing magic powder on things to get fairies and keeping all my, like, stats topped off like i'm having a lot more fun than i used to with zelda it used to be one of those games where i would just be like lost and not really sure what to do and i haven't played it in you know a month and i don't know where to go now you're playing on game boy Advance, right yeah okay on your little micro yep yep good good way to play it dude three consoles jeez man you're ahead of me right now right all right news so facebook gets its biggest name yet to compete in video game streaming wars dude the title on this alone annoys the hell out of me like the streaming wars so now it's like twitch you have um google and then you have youtube and then is there anything else out there google is youtube i mean not youtube sorry uh facebook and then youtube so is there another one i'm not thinking of right now no right i mean i'm sure oh mixer Oh, is that another one? Mixer's the Microsoft one that, what was it, Ninja or somebody jumped to like a month ago? I think so we might have talked about that. Are we going to get to a point where like now we're going to have exclusive deals on streamers who are going to be well, on these different... That's like exactly what this is. Now, this... I'm with you. I'm annoyed by this, but I think it's less annoying to have the streaming wars versus like the console wars or versus the, you know, subscription wars or whatever well we don't this might turn into subscriptions down the road and you've well, already that's got oh, only if you're well, monetarily involved well, and you had the patreon components everything well so. patreon's its own website i know that's, pa not, that's another thing well yeah but that's the thing like if you donate to somebody's patreon they can be on whatever platform they want because they're getting money from you from patreon but so uh, Facebook must have given him, you know, a bunch of money because if he was on Twitch, he had subs and he was getting donations and stuff like he was making his money through Twitch, but Twitch was taking a portion of that. So Facebook gives him a big check, says, come over here. Now, I don't know if they have that same monetary support like Twitch does with, you know, bits and uh, just donations and tips and all that stuff. But like, I think that. For the most part, if you're not monetarily involved in supporting a streamer, 
I really don't think that it's going to stop you from watching them if they switch platform. Because as long as you don't have like five subs on Twitch and you live on Twitch and that's where you get most of your content and you're like, okay, I watch this, you know, from three to six and I watch this guy from four to nine or whatever. Unless you're really invested, it's not going to hurt you to just go over and watch on Facebook because you don't have to change your login. You don't have to sign up a new credit card. But for people who want to give them money, I feel like there's a better way to go. And I know Patreon has a lot of support, but I know that Patreon's not always the best place. And I feel like eventually we're going to get to a place where creators like this are going to be on whatever platform they want and get direct funding from you know, their own website. Like, I don't know why most of these people don't set up their own website to take in donations other than the fact that that's a new place you have to go to. You're not doing it while you're already on Twitch, and that might well, be... I can tell you why they do it, because by using something like Twitch or YouTube or Facebook, you're using their logarithms to promote your content, and you have a wider base versus your own website. Yeah. So that totally makes sense as to why they would do that versus their own, because it, it honestly is much harder to go on your own versus having that back-end support. But my whole thing is I just we're kind of moving into an area now where it's like, okay, well, we have streaming services that you're paying a monthly subscription to. We have gaming services, which is a monthly subscription. You have already cable, and then there's even people that charge for podcasts. Um, and now you've got streamers who normally you could have had their content on YouTube and then generating ad revenue to where now they're signing like exclusive deals that you can only find them on Facebook or only find them on Twitch. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And so uh, we didn't mention it yet, but the person we're talking about is Jeremy Wang, who's known as Disguised Toast. So he has more than 1 million followers on Twitch. And um, now he's obviously exclusive to Facebook gaming. So it, it's interesting how this is all going. And I wonder if uh, we'll even end up seeing like people charging or like Facebook charging to see streamers, you know, and, and subscription services based on streaming of certain streamers. It'll be in interesting to see how this kind of progresses over the next several years. Yeah. So anything else we want to talk about on this? I don't Before know. We get more annoyed? I, it's, no? it's just some more streaming news. More streaming news. That's all it is, man. Every week, new streaming news. Streaming something. Yep. And uh, that's that we didn't go into Google Stadia this week. Yeah. And there was more news on them. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I said most of what I needed to say on Wednesday. You know, I think that Stadia is just, it's one of those things that if it's for you, you're going to get it and it's not going to stop you. But if you're skeptical for any reason, then it's just not the product for you and ignore it. Well, the articles I saw, and we don't have to go into it, but the ones I saw were input lag on Stadia mm -hmm. was one of them. There's bad input lag, apparently. And another one was talking about how overpriced some of the games are in that you could purchase used copies of these games and even brand new copies of some of these games locally for like a third of the cost that they have it on Stadia. Yeah, they're like full price yeah, on Stadia. full-blown yeah. price games. And I get it, like, to be able to kind of be sustainable with what they're doing, you have to charge a good bit of money. But at the same time, these aren't brand new games yeah. we're talking about. These are older these games that have been out games. for several years. So, Okay. Let's get into what I think is probably the most exciting news for this week, personally, even though we have another cool article. Uh, Hideo Kojima hints that the next project he works on may be a horror game. And so a lot of people know that 
He was working on Silent Hills. It was in collaboration with Guillermo del Toro. And Konami just shut down the whole thing. And so this article, uh, which is by Aaron Mamet of Digital Trends, there was a recent interview where they asked him, what's your next project going to be? And he just straight out says, I'd like to go into creating a horror game. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we've seen PT. It was very interesting. You know, that's dead and gone. We've seen Death Stranding, you know, go through all the hype cycle, finally come out. And, you know, we know what people think about it now. We'll see how history remembers it a few years from now. But this is just kind of the the hype train pulling up to the station like the last the last batch of passengers haven't even gotten off yet you know people are still finishing their drinks the steward is still coming by you know to collect trash or however they do it on trains i don't know but anyways i just it's too soon i'm not ready to start talking about what kojima's gonna do next like this game's not even a month old yet well I think I am, man, because games take a while to develop. Yeah, so you want to already talk, start talking about what's Kojima going to do for the next three years? Yeah. That's too long. It's too early. Wait till there's something to talk about. This is just speculation. I think that horror is a good genre, and I think that, you know, if he's already collabed with Guillermo del Toro on coming up with stuff for Silent Hills, like, who knows how much they were already invested at that point before they had to scrap it all. So they probably got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of momentum to carry through, but I think that he's going to have to nail it because I don't think that he's, he'll probably be able to go on making whatever Kojima stuff he wanted for the rest of his life and be fine. But I think if he really wants to please like a majority of the fans and grow his audience, He's got to play something a little closer to the, you know, to the chest and not be super crazy with it. Although horror allows for you to get really crazy without having to explain everything, which he always likes to over explain. Yeah. And I would really be interested to see what he does of horror game. We got the taste of PT. uh, And ultimately, I think if you put his mind and his crazy ideas and then meshed it, with Guillermo del Toro and his craziness and put into a horror genre versus, you know, Amazon Prime delivery uh, baby service, uh, it'd be pretty awesome. I was thinking of something, though. Can you imagine, like, the amount of translators needed between Norman Reedus, Guillermo del Toro, and Kojima working on this project that they're training together? Like, I think one of them is Mexican, one is Japanese, and obviously one is American. Mm -hmm. That'd just be a... I'd, I'd love to just kind of sit there and watch them yeah. try to have conversations on a meeting. direction that they need to go creatively. Um, so, yeah, we'll post the interview uh, within our podcast recording, and it's just a, an interview and kind of goes into what he's looking at doing in the future, how Death Stranding's gone. I think it talks about some movies he recently watched. And uh, he actually, um, I think it was in this particular, no, it was actually on his Twitter. I was looking at that as well. He had made a comment, it might be in the article. Yeah, he had made a comment that he's trying to draw inspiration from different films. So he recently watched The Eye, which is a Thai Well, that's what movie. he was watching when he was making PT. Yeah, well, yeah, so he's got that. Go- no, look, November 22nd, 2019. Yeah, The yeah. Eye is the Thai horror movie I uh-huh. read when making PT. And then he says, 
too scary to finish. The packaging is scary, so I rented disc only. Will I be able to finish it? Yeah. Yeah, this is recent. That's as yeah, of like I know two that. days ago. So yeah, it looks like he's trying to draw that inspiration again, finish a film, and really jump back into that. And get well, his he's mind not going to be able to make PT again. Oh well, no, he's not so able he to should... make PT. Yeah, but he can make the hills are silent. No, he can. Yeah, he can. Why can't he make the hills are silent? It's reverse, Ryan. Mm. Uh-huh. I see what you did there. You see what I did there? Okay. Next bit of news. Unless you got anything else, Ryan. Uh, I got something to say about this first off the bat. So this is uh, Tech Radar. It's uh, by uh, Darren, Darren Allen. Allen. Half-Life Alex. Headsets meet headcrabs in a gambit where the future of VR gaming is at stake. Now, the first thing I want to open up is this is a dumb picture. She's standing in front of the TV while these two guys are trying to watch her play this game. Like, do you even need the TV on? Like, I understand if there's people that want to watch you play, then don't stand right in front of the TV. But if you're playing by yourself, do you have to have the TV on or could you do it without the TV on? I'm curious. Uh, well, if you want the audio component, yeah. Doesn't it have oh, wait, like no, headset? No, it does have headset. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you don't need a damn TV. But, but she's standing right in front of it. This guy, he's looking like there's no way he could see what's going on on yeah, that him screen. On, him on the bottom left, yeah, for sure he can't. The guy on the right on the couch, yeah, he could see it. If she turns to the other side, he no, won't. No, no, he's got a clear view, dude. Look at that. Yeah, you can tell on the angle, but this guy on the front, yeah, there's no yeah. way. Yeah. When you when you actually when listen you to VR, our recording and click the link, you will see the picture we're talking about. Yeah, when you VR... Let us know how do you VR? Do your friends view you VRing? Or do they VR watching you VR? Who knows? I don't know if that's possible. Let us know in the comments or uh, on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you can find us, the Game Deflators, except for Twitter. Because At Game Deflators, because Twitter does not like the word the mm-hmm. in our in our uh, tweeting. And leave us five stars too. Let us know. Everywhere. And to shorten things up, because I know we like to say Podbean, iTunes, and all that, download us on Android applications for podcasts and Apple applications for podcasts. You'll find us everywhere. There we go. All right. You can go into this one. You're a little bit more excited for this than I am. To be up front with you, I have not played any of the Half-Life games. I've played other Valve games. I, for some reason, just never did play the Half-Life games. I played some. I had Orange Box, and I tried playing some of Half-Life uh two and i got i can't remember how far i got i don't know half-life just kind of passed me by also when i was growing up so i don't have a lot of experience with it i know you know everybody knows about half-life everybody knows about half-life 3 and the memes well we finally have it folks confirmation of a new Half-Life game, Half-Life Alex VR. This is going to be a fully built-up, from-the-ground VR experience taking place in the Half-Life universe between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2, starring Alex, who is a supported character in Half-Life 2. Now, this trailer looks awesome. I mean, she's like rummaging through the shelf. It's not like, you know, you walk up to a shelf and there's a thing and it's glowing and you click the button to pick it up she's like throwing cans out of the way reaching grabbing a bullet loading it into the gun and turning it the last second to shoot the guy that looks cool like if that's if that's the vr that we're gonna get that's the vr that you know is gonna change things because people have been 
oh, I don't know. I'm going to dip my toes in, in VR and I'm going to try this. And they've got Doom and they've got this and they've got that. But for the most part, a lot of those things aren't just VR. Like a lot of them seem like they could be done elsewhere. And anything that is purely VR seems like it's not really big enough or, you know, uh, it's just not going to grab people in. Like, if you already have VR, I'm sure you're totally game to try anything new that comes out to keep you invested. But for those who are like, it's too expensive, I don't really think I want to. They need something, and this looks like it could be that something that's going to say, hey, we don't care that you don't have VR. You should want VR because of this. And this is the biggest thing I can imagine. And what's interesting, though, in reading the articles, that the team behind this game is not wanting to hype it up at all. They're like, look, we don't, they're like, this game may even suck. We don't know. But they're not wanting to hype it up. They don't want it to be like this. It's already got the baggage of Half Life 3 kind of on the edge. That's of it, a lot. <laughs> and that's already a lot as is. So they're trying to say, like, look, this is a totally different experience. It's VR. Um, this could be great or it could be bad. You know, you guys are to market. You'll tell us how it is. I, for one thing, it looks pretty sweet. And it just watching that made me want to play Half-Life 1 and 2. But that's not my uh, New Year's or New Games resolution no. for next year. It is not. So, But it's getting close to being that uh, New Games resolution. So I don't really have too much to say on this, dude. It's a new game. It's a series that I'm not as familiar with. I've seen the memes. I've seen the hype behind these games in the past just not something i've ever been into uh, but i will play them at some point yeah i'm i'm just hoping that this moves product and it really pushes vr to that next stage where enough people have come on board that like triple a flips the switch they turn on the lights and they say all right people we're making vr full steam ahead and I mean, and we, see, notice I said Steam because Valve is leading the way. Oh, my God. So we kind of got that a little bit with the Resident Evil games that came out and had a VR integration. But I yeah, think but that again, those are playable elsewhere. They don't have no, this all in VR thing. And that's the point I'm making is that this is a first like major, at least I feel the first major step in a company saying we're all in on a VR. Mm -hmm. And if this is successful, this is going to help it take that next step. I think this right here is the jumping point exactly. to get into VR and making it kind of a staple for gaming moving forward. I mean, it's a good way to test the waters to say, I mean, I know they speculate at the end saying that it's like a wild idea, but, you know, if they were to do a Half-Life 3 in VR and use this as kind of like the stepping stone to get there, that would be, that would be like, you know, the, the Halo or the Zelda, or the Mario, like it would be that grabber, uh, you know, VR is Half-Life, you know, that face, that mascot, that exclusivity that you want associated with something that, you know, is a brand. And I think that, you know, Valve kind of already has that, and it is kind of like a natural fit. So... I'm real interested to see how this turns out and probably won't be able to play it. <laughs> yep, March 2020 is when it's supposed to come out. And uh, hopefully, uh, did it mention on there if it's coming out on PS5? Or is it just VR? No, it's only VR. Only VR and on Oculus, right? Well, PS5 is going to have VR. Yeah, and but have... they haven't even announced like all that stuff. It's not even out. Like This is going to be out... 
before the PS5. Yeah, I understand it. I'm wondering if they're going if they mention anything about porting to next gen consoles. I didn't read that in there. No, I think they got to finish the game for its initial thing before they want to port it. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, it's big news. So, big news. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was announced last week, but this article is recent. Yeah, it's been. I don't know. We just talked about the news on Wednesday. There hasn't been a whole week's worth of news. Well, there's been half a week. Yeah. So Excuses, we did half Ryan. the news. Yeah, we did half the news. All right. So. Our inflation deflation challenge is next. I already know where you're going to go in terms of your thoughts on this. Uh, I can probably stay uh, biased, so we'll see, since it is my game. But Saturn Bomberman, what did you think? I'm thankful, John. I'm thankful that you had this game, and uh, I'm happy for you that it's worth a ton of money. And uh, I think it was awesome. I... I don't have a lot of experience with Bomberman. I think, <coughs> whoa, I think Bomberman was that's the smoke from the bombs and everything. Today. Yeah, yeah, I, I just got blown up. Uh, I think that the first time I ever played Bomberman was like on an old flip phone. I think that that was my first experience because I never had, you know, a Saturn to play Bomberman on, and uh, it's it's just exactly what you expect you know it's good fun puzzle action thing in an arena we did like a uh, team arena we did uh just a free-for-all battle for a little bit we checked out the story mode a little bit uh, i love the characters i love the cutscenes, uh the animations that they have in there those are fantastic i don't know why bomberman and his friend are the only like non at all people looking people there i know i've seen other bombermans where there are more bomber men like of various varieties and shapes and colors and uh i I couldn't really fit it into this one i think if we ever do bomberman r it would be good but i'm getting real spider verse vibes from there's just all these different Slightly off color, slightly off brand, Bomberman from all different kind of places is kind of how I feel. We got to play some Super Bomberman uh, at some point. I have that on Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of fun too. I've always enjoyed that one. That's really what kind of catapulted me into liking Bomberman was playing the Super Bomberman games, and I really got to get it on NES as well if I don't have it already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that'd be a lot of fun to play. That would have been a good one for the SNES Mini. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, that would have been good. So, well, anyways, we've got so Saturn Bomberman, developed by Hudson Soft and Eleven, uh, developed uh, or no, that was developed by Hudson Soft and Hudson yeah, Soft that. and Eleven, published by Hudson Soft and Sega, directed by Shigeki Fujiwara and Kazunori. I guess I didn't put his last name. We'll say Fujiwara again. And uh, so this came out in uh, North America on August 22nd, 1997. It received a whopping 10 or 9 out of 10, like kind of across the board. Rightfully so, actually. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful, you know, well put together, colorful, fun, responsive, awesome little game. So, Ryan, is it worth the current $355 complete in box? I'm going to say no. Yeah, so as biased as I may be, no game should ever be worth that much money. Oh, and that name was Kazunori Yasui. 
Who's the other director? Gotcha. So yeah, at three fifty five, it peaked actually in September twenty nineteen. I should have sold it then. And I just bought it again. Uh, September twenty nineteen, it sold for four hundred and forty four dollars. So some sucker out there bought it for nearly a hundred dollars more than what it's actually worth right now. And loose price, I feel bad for whoever in August of twenty sixteen did this. They purchased it loose for two hundred and thirty seven dollars. Currently yeah. sitting at ninety sixty eight and holding steady there. Yeah, and then slightly rising on the uh, complete in box. Yeah, it might as well be holding, but it jumped like 10 bucks in the last month. That's the thing. Uh, all these are kind of averages, you know, pulled out from across all the sales that get registered on the site. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but uh, John, why don't you tell us why you're so thankful for this game? How did you come across this game? So you've got a story for everything, and this is uh, this is oh. a, a good one for the price. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a good story. So there's this old thrift store I used to go into all the time. And since then, they've smartened up and it was out in Florida. But they used to every single day load in new games and collectors from the area knew that this was a honey hole for games. Like they just always had low prices and everybody just kind of kept their kept their mouth shut from a local collector standpoint as to sharing information with other collectors. Like we all knew it existed, but nobody really talked about the fact that this thrift store had trade secrets yeah it's like a trade secret type thing and we never really like nobody at any point ever went to the store and was like hey this is worth a lot of money just at some point somebody must have started figuring it out but i was one of the lucky individuals that would hit this place up pretty frequently i'd say a lot of my games that are pretty high end um came from this particular thrift store and so it was just one of those honey holes and so one day i went in and there was white cases, and I figured, okay, great. Let me go ahead and, and see what these are. And it was Saturn Bomberman, and um, Space Jam was one of them. I think In the Hunt was another cool spot, and uh, I think it was Blazing Dragons. There was a couple, and then I got a few PS1 games that day as well. Uh, Warpath, the Jurassic Park game on PS1, and a couple other PS1 games and maybe a Sega game. So I just loaded up that day. And every single one of them was priced $2.99. And so for me, it was just a matter of, hey, these are really cool games. I've wanted these for a while. Let me just grab them because I, I want to buy them and I want to play them at some point. And I was early on in my collecting days. I probably, at that point in time, maybe had two to 300 games in my collection. And like 100 of them I had brought from home mm -hmm. uh, down where I used to live. So it wasn't like... You know, I was still kind of fresh and collecting at that point in time. And so, yeah, I picked it up and I was working at a game store at the time, which is also where I got a lot of my games. I would, uh, you know, we had like a 25 to 30 percent discount on games. So whenever something good came in, I would, you know, pick yep. it up whenever I could. Do I had to wait. John. Yeah, I had to wait a little bit before I could pick it up. Just standard practice. But after a while, I was like, yeah, go ahead and, and pick it up if you want. Mm -hmm. And so Saturn Barman in particular, I was just curious as to what the prices were for some of these games. I'm like, I knew that they were worth more than $2.99, but I was curious as to how much more than $2.99 they were worth. And it was staying in the collection. I wasn't flipping anything at that point. And our man or my manager, um, who actually passed away a few years ago, uh, he was hanging out with me and he was doing his thing, like kind of loading up some games. He's like, oh, that's a great pickup you got. It was just before I started. And I just, in the middle of the store, just go, holy shit. And he just looks at me. He's like, oh, what, what's going on? I'm like pointing at the computer at price charting at the time. And he just comes over and he's like, whoa, 200 bucks? What? 
So it was at the time about 200 bucks and we were just like, holy crap, like this is awesome. And I was so scared because we had a buffing machine and it had some light scratches. I was so scared to put that game in a buffing machine, even though it just yeah. cost me 299 and that was it. Like you were going to really be out, but the hype, the hype of it was like, oh my God, like it was crazy. So I would say that that right there. I mean, the box alone is $140. Yeah, like exactly. So, so you you were already going to be in the clear no matter what. Well, at that time it was 140 It was probably like 70 80 But yeah, I mean, to your point, I was totally in the clear. Like I could have just sold the box and mm -hmm. been okay. Uh, but I really want because I, I do like Bomberman games. And so I was pretty excited. And uh, yeah, that's really the story behind that one. That was really a heart-pounding moment. I don't think I've ever... And just because of a buffing component, by the way, not the waiting there at the case, waiting for somebody to open it up. Like there were moments like that, like that particular store, if you went to the case and there was nobody at the case, like you literally did not want to move. You just would sit there and wait for somebody to come by and be like, hey, open the case. Because if you left and then somebody else opened the case, you could end up losing out like mm -hmm. on whatever's there. So like I saw them I'm like, oh, crap. Now I got to stand here and I'm like looking for employees, saw one chase them down like, hey. I want something out of a case. I'm going to go stand by there. And like, you had the wait. Yeah. And so other people were coming by. Oh, Saturn is like, no, no, I've already got these. Like yep. they're coming by. Like that's kind of that situation. Just sit there. Nothing to see here. Folks. Yeah. Nothing Tape to see off here. off the zone. Now I will go into a different story really quick. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before my time picking up earthbound and that whole situation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Where, uh, so anybody hasn't heard previous episodes, but that was at a pawn shop and, I had walked in to pick up a couple, just, I usually would go into that pawn shop because uh, they would have a game every now and then at a good price. And so I went in and I found WWE 13 on the Wii, which is like a 40 or $50 game at the time for like five bucks. I found a Toe Jam and Earl game. And I think that was We've where- We played that one. Uh, well, no, it was on the Xbox. Oh. Toe Jam and Earl on the Xbox. Um, and the other one I think was Orange Box was the one I picked up on PS3. And so I grab those and I go to a counter. I'm like waiting in line, waiting in line. And right when I get up to the counter, I look out at the bottom of a shelf and there's just a brown box, uh, just the top of an SNES kind of peeking out. So I was like, hey, can I check that out? And he's like, oh yeah, that just came in not too long ago. He pulls it up and he starts laying out the games. And of course, Earthbound is sitting there along with like some Super Mario games, uh, Donkey Kong game, Thunder Spirit, and like one other game. And... Of course, I grabbed them all and I stacked it strategically. Like I had Earthbound as a second to last one with Thunder Spirit underneath. And then I had like a couple Mario games and a Donkey Kong. And I just handed I said, here's what I'm interested in. Like, you know, what's yeah. the price for these? And he's like, oh, they're usually like uh, $7.99 or something. And he's like, uh, oh, but you got some Mario there. So hold on. I'm like, crap. Yeah, you know, I remember this. Yeah. So he's going in looking at mm -hmm. a computer. Okay. $12.99. Twelve ninety nine. After a few Mario games, he's like, "Okay." He's like, uh, "Earthbound seven ninety nine. And I'm like, "Oh, seven ninety nine, seven ninety nine." This. I'm like, "All right, I'm in the clear." Yep. And so then he's like printing out labels, and Earthbound's just kind of sitting there. So I'm like shuffling other games on top of mm -hmm. Earthbound just in case a manager comes by yeah. and sees it. And yeah, that was. I was so excited, man. Tense. That was. Serious. This is a high stakes world of collecting, folks. And that particular story. That was about, so that pawn shop was never busy. It happened to be that that day they were super busy and they had 
probably 10, 12 people deep in line. And there was only two cashiers. And at the time, there was about 10 to 12 people. There's a line behind me. There's a line currently going. They're Get all shuffling. Get him Get him out of here. Well, there's Take that, his money but, and send him on his way. So there's that. And they're trying to get stuff situated. And that, seriously, I was in that pawn shop for, I think, 45 minutes that day. Like, straight out just between getting the game, waiting in line, waiting mm -hmm. for him to check prices, getting me checked out. 45 minutes easily. Totally worth it, but 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just... Dude, heart pounding the entire time because I wanted that copy of Earthbound and it was a legit copy and finding one like that out in the wild, like in that respect, is so uncommon. Yeah. To have that. So the thrill of the hunt. Dude, like seriously, that's the best part about it. It's not the financial components or, you know, the idea of like just picking up games. It's the finding that diamond in the rough game. And that was that and Saturn Bomberman were two instances of like finding a diamond rough i've had a few of those since moving up to arizona like i think um what's that game up there in that case uh bucky o'hare mm -hmm. and um is it captain commando i think is the other one those are the two biggies i picked up since moving out here where it just happened to be in a collection and you know it was i gotta get there and and try to get the transaction done pretty quick so yep those are the stories i hope well, people enjoyed hey if you're out there listening which we hope you are let us uh, let us hear some stories for you. What games are you thankful for? Tell us some of the, your greater triumphs and some of your good deals that you got, and you know we'll uh, you know share it with us. We'll share it with the world. And we're not talking like you picked up Bonk's Adventure for six hundred dollars and is worth seven hundred. Like, well, yeah. it's a good deal. It's not what we're looking at here. We're talking <laughs> about like you know you found something that was crazy high price and you picked it up for like you know nothing, like pennies on the dollar. We're not interested in hearing you go to some convention and pick up Bonk's Adventures sitting there out in the middle. Like, that's not in the wild, people. Like, right. get that out of your head. Um, okay, so my thoughts on Saturn Bomberman. Obviously, I'm very biased. Uh, I do like the game. I like the ability to play 10 people. Like, yep. it's crazy. 10 people being able to play that game. And I do well, believe... Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, I don't know. Does it have a modem connection on the back? Well, like, yeah, but the whatever server held that system up is not running anymore. No, but I wonder if you can connect a bunch of consoles together. I don't know. You might be able to. I don't know. Like, you know, the Xbox back in the day where you could technically have multiple players with consoles linked. I think it's the same respect hmm. with that. Okay. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. And then get three more Saturns and three more. We'll just have to put four more copies. We'll have of, to put $1,400, $1,500 worth of gear in a room. See what we can do. And then start a tournament at $10 a pop. There we go. And we'd still not make our money back. That Yeah, that's not worth it. So the either one, way, yeah. ten, 10 people, the ability to play the four to five in a little small match setting was fun. The story mode, I played more of that than you did, was pretty cool. It's kind of like um, a Mario World type of situation, like yeah. World 1-1, one, 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 two, one, three. And, and you progress just different through. boards you're clearing out and yeah, on. different areas to progress in the story mode. And it was fun. I liked it. It was pretty cool. You, there was a little more strategy behind it, whereas when you're in a battle mode, everybody's kind of gunning for one another. In the story mode, it's more or less like you have to kind of think, okay, if I blow up this particular piece, it's going to release an enemy right here, or do I go around? Like It kind of emphasizes more on the puzzle structure of the mm. game versus like the puzzle maze component versus yeah. just the open the battle action. and action component mm -hmm. which 
Uh, I really did like that piece. I actually had never really played a story mode in Bomberman. I've always played the battle modes. Yeah. Because I've always had people to play it with. So, well, and that's the real draw. Yeah, that's the real draw. Having fun with your friends and playing that particular game. And we were champions when we played on a team, so it was great. Well, I think that uh, the overall view on a game like this is some games are really good. And some of those games are also really expensive. And just because it's really good doesn't mean that it really should be really expensive except for the fact that there's just not a lot of them out there or they're just in such high demand that there's no way around the price point. And it's just ludicrous. This this is way too much money to pay for a game, you know, unless... Unless you're like the Bomberman guy and that's your actual screen name is the Bomberman guy and you're trying to collect all the Bombermans and this is the only Bomberman you need left to have all the Bombermen, then I, I think then it's worth it. But for the most part, I can't imagine this being anywhere remotely, like even the loose price. The loose price is too much to pay probably for a complete in-box version of this in my opinion i i wouldn't go that far i would say at 90 bucks loose price if if you went that route and said i want to have a few consoles because i have a group of like six or seven friends we always game and you guys all pitched and were like we're gonna do this we're gonna have no, barman no I, I would i would say you 90 can play bucks is you fair. can play a modern Bomberman for cheaper as hard and have a better time yeah that's true as hard as this game is to find, though, ninety bucks loose compared to, you know, complete in box three fifty five. I mean, you're looking at a quarter of the price. Well, it's a better deal for sure, but I'm just saying that that's too much. The ninety bucks is too much. In your head, just pretend it's a special limited edition disc only Saturn Bomberman, and it'll clear up right away. Ninety bucks. It's too much. Yeah, it's still too much. Inflated. Well, yeah. I mean, all of these we've talked all about all of in the past. these kind of games are inflated. That's why. That's why we don't do these type of games very much, but it is good to look back and be thankful and reflect on what we have that enriches our lives, like Saturn Bomberman. Oh, man, dude, I love looking that on my shelf. It's such a pretty game. The cover art alone is amazing it is. on that title. So. Truly. All right. Uh, we didn't pick out a game for next week. Well, uh, we're going to have lots of time to think about it. That's true. So, yeah, uh, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, we're recording on Sundays likely releasing episodes Sunday nights or Mondays, pending how busy I am. Uh, it'll probably be Monday nights that they get released. You'll have the whole week to listen. In your car. And with your friends. At your house. and giving While us you're five, waiting in line on Black Friday. And giving us five-star reviews. So we'll look at a game. It is Ryan's turn to pick next. Hopefully he doesn't pick another Star Control or other bad game that he has picked in the past off my shelf. So we'll see. Well, I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope everybody gets a great deal on Black Friday. Stay safe out there. And remember that uh, you don't have to pay to play. Except in Vegas? No. Well, you do. Well, yeah, in Vegas you have to pay to play. Exactly. So your whole thing is a false statement. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm John. I'm Ryan, and we are the, the Game, Game Deflators. Deflators.